and welcome to Grand Rounds with Dr. Tammy. This is your host, Tammy Krause. I've had several requests lately to do a podcast on how to live frugally. And that got me thinking that living frugally can mean so many different things to different people. It made me look back on my own life and forgive me if I share too much information about myself during this podcast. When I was growing up, we didn't have a lot of money, but I never really thought too much about it one way or the other. But when I get together with my family now, we always reminisce fondly about growing up in the 70s and 80s. One of our very favorite things to talk about is the food that we ate at the time. And it sounds crazy now because I just never hear people eating these types of things anymore. But some of our favorites were beanie weenies. My mom would make a hot dog pizza because that was my dad's favorite. Lots of spaghetti. But one of my very favorite things was a white gravy that my mom would make. And she would put pieces of fried bologna in it and we would eat it over toast. And that was just a really special treat in my eyes. We rarely ate out. We lived in a small town, so there weren't a lot of choices. But three or four times a year, we'd go to McDonald's or Long John Silver's. And we just really thought that was pretty special. As you can tell, we weren't really fancy people. Our friends were kind of in the same boat, so we never really thought twice about it. No one else ate out all the time either, but we really spent a lot of time together as a family, and that made me feel rich. Shortly after high school, I found out I was pregnant. My boyfriend was home on leave from the Navy, and on a Wednesday, we decided to get married Sunday. My parents were extremely shocked, as you can imagine. All of those hopes and dreams of going to college like I had planned my entire life were kind of thrown out the window, but it was okay. That was what we decided was best for us at the time, and obviously it worked out. So within six weeks of graduating, I found myself married and moved to San Diego. Absolute surprise to all of us. When I got there, I found that it was really hard to get a job at 17 years old when you were pregnant. No one really wanted to hire me. And so we were forced to live on just a Navy enlisted man's salary, which as you can imagine was not much at all. We didn't have hardly anything left at the end of the month after we paid our rent, utilities, car payment. After my son was born, I was able to get a job and that kind of took some of the pressure off. But between deployments and just stresses of trying to be teenager and married with a kid, our marriage ended up not working out. About that same time, I decided that I really wanted to go to college. That had always been my dream. I wanted to go into medicine. And so I had to figure out how to make that happen. And so I ended up working three jobs and raising my son as a single mom. In the morning at five, I went to work as, as a assistant manager, basically in a fitness mail order company there in San Diego. A couple of afternoons a week, I would do telemarketing, recruiting nurses for a nationwide uh, nursing home facility. And then several nights a week, I would wait tables. I ended up enrolling at San Diego State University, but later transferred to a community college that was closer to my house and a little bit cheaper. So it made it a little bit easier. It was pretty difficult to keep my head above water, but as difficult as it sounds, when I think back on that time, it was also just really special. My son and I were really close. I always tease him that we raised each other. With every minute of our downtime, we made our time count. And I did my best to read to him every night before bedtime. We played outside. We went to the beach. And as you can imagine, those times were extremely frugal. There just wasn't any money left over, but that was okay because we made it work for us. 
skip forward several years and my son and I ended up moving to Kansas City. He was 12 at the time and that was so I could attend medical school. We were still a good team. We lived on student loans during medical school. So again, seemed to be the story of our lives. There just wasn't much money left over. Our special nights out consisted of going to a restaurant occasionally, rarely, I would even say, and we would typically share an appetizer and just get a couple of waters, but we always had a great time. When I look back on these times, it really brings a smile to my face. We had so little, but we had each other. And again, I just felt so rich because I had my very favorite person with me, my son, Tyler, along for this journey. He is 32 years old now, and he has his PhD in mechanical engineering and lives in Baltimore. He remembers the struggles that we had, but I think it also taught him to be a very strong, independent man, and he has managed to make his own way in the world. Obviously, I've come a long way from those humble beginnings, and I'm now a hospitalist and have to say I have a very nice life, much easier financially, as you can imagine. When I think about living frugally, this is what comes to mind for me. It's barely making ends meet, not having a lot of extras, but making the most out of your life. I think it means something different to every person. And when I think about a resident who's trying to support his or her family on $60,000 versus the new attending, who's maybe trying to figure out what to do with that very first big paycheck, whether to go spend a spend it on what they've wanted for the last six years or try and save it and pay off some of their bills. This is where I think the conversation comes in today. So with all of that being said, I tried to come up with a few things that I was hoping would help some of you in trying to give you some guidance on how to live frugally. First off, for those of you that have student loans through the Department of Education, you might want to look into the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program, which is also called a PSLF waiver. In October of 2021, the Department of Education announced that it would forgive up to $4.5 billion in student loan debt. And in order to qualify for something like this, you have to work for a nonprofit employer, have federal loans, and you have to qualify based on years of repayment, your employer status, several things that go into Obviously, a lot of us were ineligible based on the types of payments that we made, or if you made a late payment or missed a payment, but they've eased up on some of those requirements to try and help more people pay off their student loans. So I wanted to point you to a website where you can get more information about this, but I wanted to give it to you with some urgency. You have to apply to this program before October 31st of 2022, and there are several steps involved. So if you think there's any chance you might qualify for this student loan repayment program, I would urge you to go to studentaid.gov, G-O-V, backslash articles, backslash take, hyphen, advantage, hyphen, PSLF hyphen waiver backslash. And I found that website had pretty good information about how you might qualify, had different links on steps that you would need to go through to apply for that. And so again, if you think you even might qualify, please go check that out. It might save you hundreds of thousands of dollars in trying to repay some of your debt. The second thing as you're coming out of residency and you get that first big paycheck, you're 
first thought might be, oh my gosh, I'm going to go buy that doctor house that I've always dreamed of, or the best car that you've always wanted your entire life because gosh darn it, you've earned it. And maybe that is the right answer for some of you. But what I found is the easiest time to get some of your debt paid off is coming right out of residency. You're used to living on a meager salary of $60,000 a year, and maybe now you're making $300,000 a year. I'm not suggesting that you use every cent of that to pay down your debt, but if you can hold off on getting the very best house and the very best car, and you get something reasonable to get you by, then it can really help you make progress on paying off the debts. My recommendation would be to make a list of all of the debts and put them in order of which one has the highest interest rate and then focus your money on paying that one off first. Make minimum payments on all of the other debt except for the one with the highest interest rate and pay it off. So for example, let's say you have a credit card with $10,000 debt and a 20% interest rate. Second, you have a car loan for which you owe $5,000 and maybe it's a 7% interest rate. And third, you have whatever X amount of dollars on your student loan at three to 5%. I, again, would recommend paying the minimum to start with on your car and your student loans and just throw as much money as possible to get that credit card paid off because that 20% interest rate is just going to eat you alive if you make minimum payments on that. You will never get ahead on it. Once that $10,000 debt is paid off, then you can take all of that money that you've been applying there and put it to the car. And as soon as you know it, you're going to have that car paid off as well. Now, when you get down to having only your student loan debt, I think at that point you make a decision. Either you focus all of the money and pay off your student loan debt, which is the right answer for some. Or maybe at that point, you start thinking about how you're going to start building equity in a home or investment programs. And again, this is different for everybody. So you have to make the right choices for you. The third thing I came up with was find out and take advantage of the tax savings plans that you may have through work. When you start making a good salary as a physician, you're also going to start paying a lot of money in taxes. Many employers offer programs where you can invest with pre-tax dollars so you can get more bang for the buck. And in addition to getting pre-tax investments, your employer may also match a certain percentage of your contribution. So your investment accounts grow even faster with what they'll give you as well. Some of those might include like a 401k, 457b. 529 education program for your kids. There's lots of different things that you might find available to you that you can save tax-free dollars. Other things would be an HSA account that's available through some employers, not all employers, but you can also start saving money for medical expenses with tax-free dollars if that's available to you. You have to be careful with those accounts because there is a difference between FSA and HSA and forgive me if I get these mixed up, but I think FSA is the one where you can put aside a certain amount of dollars per year, and you can use that for medical expenses or even childcare, I believe. But whatever you put in has to be used by the end of the year or you lose it. The other account, which I believe is the HSA, again, forgive me if I get them mixed up, I tend to do that sometimes. That's an account where you can accumulate that money 
and it builds over time. And so if you are very young and healthy and don't have any medical expenses, it just grows and accumulates. And if some catastrophe happens years down the line, you'll have a nest egg to help get you out of any crisis situation. Finally, this is simple, but I would recommend making a budget. I have found that a lot of people don't realize really where they're spending their money. If you aren't one who likes to cook and you tend to order Uber Eats all the time, you may not even realize how much money that you're spending. Or if you stop at McDonald's on your way home from your 36 hour shift at the hospital, you may be spending money hand over fist and just not even realize it. So make a budget, decide what's important to you in life and make a plan. You need to have a short-term, medium-term and long-term plan. The short-term plan is going to include things like a house and car payment, utility bills, credit cards, student loan payments, groceries, entertainment, and set aside amounts for your discretionary expenses like eating out and try to stick to that budget. Your medium term is going to include things like buying a new car or even planning a vacation for the next year. For some people, it helps to have a separate savings account where they can set the money aside so it's not readily available in their checking account and it helps them save money that way. Long-term planning is going to include things like paying for your child's college or for your own retirement. And again, look into these tax savings programs that might be available to you. I would also recommend considering getting a financial advisor. I think most physicians are not trained in business or finance. We've spent our entire 20s learning how to treat people and save lives but oftentimes we really don't know what we're doing with our finances. So go to that person that spent their twenties learning how to help you build your wealth and take advantage of their knowledge. Be sure to find someone who has your best interest in mind. Sometimes you can find a financial advisor that is going to take a percentage of what they make for you. And other times you'll find financial advisors that have a flat fee. I think you can find advantages to both. So you have to decide again, the person that you like and trust, and just know up front how they're being paid for their services to you. And again, decide what's best for you. I hope you found at least one thing helpful here. I know it's all pretty basic, but sometimes I think we just forget the basics. So I thought I would start there. I would love to hear from you to find out what you would like to hear most about on future podcasts. So I invite you to email me at Tammy. T-A-M-M-Y at financialresidency.com with any suggestions. And I hope to see you next week in Grand Rounds. Thanks for listening today.